Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right, I'm just going to jump right into it. Look at, looking at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, don't be misled. It's the verse that we started with last, last week. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And this is a truth. This is a, sometimes for some people, an inconvenient truth. But it's a truth. It's a law. You will always harvest what you plant. We call it the law of sowing and reaping. We're in this small series, and we've defined, we, we call it, the series is called Small Things, and the way we define small things are things that are easy to do, but also easy not to do. They're easy to do, and they're easy not to do. Like, it's easy for me when I go to a restaurant, sit down at the table, and they, they bring water, normally, like, they'll bring water to your table and sit it there. It's easy for me, to, when they bring the water for me, to say, hey, water's good for me, I'm just going to drink water. It's also easy not to do that when they come to my table and they say, hey, what else would you like to drink? And, and I'm thinking, my first thought is, well, do you have Diet Dr. Pepper? And, um, and, then, and then if they say yes, then it's like, well, it's easy not to just drink water. It's easy just to drink Diet Dr. Pepper. E- things that are easy to do and easy not to do. Like it's easy to, to, to get up 15 minutes early in the morning for prayer, earlier, for prayer, right? Like anybody can get up, can set your alarm 15 minutes earlier to get up. Anybody can do that. But it's also easy not to do. It's also easy that when the alarm goes off 15 minutes early for you to actually push the snooze button and sleep maybe an extra 30 minutes. <laughs> you know? Then you get up late, you're just all, come late altogether, right? So things that are easy to do and easy not to do that's really ultimately what really defines our life. And I know that you, it's hard to make that connection. Well, what, really, Rich? Because I think oftentimes what happens is that we're looking for those big, momentous experiences. And we say, that's what's going make, to make a difference in my life. If this big thing can happen in my life, then my life is going to be changed forever. And yes, there are those miraculous events that happen along the way in our lives that really do. They're like these big rock moments and they change the course of our life. But for the most of us, it's the things that we do day in and day out, day in and day out. We talked about the cumulative effect last week. It's the things that we do every single day that compound over time. C.S. Lewis talks a little bit about these things. He, he uses military terms in this mere Christianity. He says, good and evil both increase and compound interest. <clears throat> in, sorry, increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every, every day are, such of, are so, of such infinite importance. Little decisions we make every single day have really big, big, big you know, takeaways in our life. It says, the smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go to, on to victories you never dreamed of. Like you do one small thing today can lead to some pretty significant outcomes in the future. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise 
impossible. He says, seemingly insignificant decisions we make have infinite importance. And this is really what this series has been, been all about. It's about us recognizing that you and I, every single day are making choices. Every single day are making decisions. And those small things matter. They do matter. So the question to be considering then, is this, the, is this law of sowing and reaping, is it working for you or is it working against you? Is the law of sowing and reaping working for me or against me? Like that's an honest question to ask yourself. Like I assess where I am right now and I realize that I, right now I am reaping a harvest of some seeds that I planted years ago that I wish I had never planted. Or right now I assess and I'm reaping a harvest and I don't think I even deserve what I'm receiving now, but it's because of some good seed that was planted years ago. Like, if you ever jump out of a, an airplane, do some, some uh, you know, parachuting or skydiving, any crazy people in this room have done that before? You can raise your hand. If you've, see, we're all sane. We're all sane people. We know you don't jump out of perfectly good airplanes, you know? My daughter has, and she thinks she's, she, th- she loves it. She says she'd do it again. I'm like, I don't know about that. You are really crazy. But anyways, I would never do it. But like, say you jump out of an airplane, and after you jump out of an airplane, this is exactly what starts happening. The law of gravity starts to work against you. Okay, you are dropping. Now, you can jump out of that airplane and say, I have faith like the seed of, you you know, like a little mustard seed. I don't believe in gravity. You're still going down, Right? You could choose not to believe in the law of gravity. You could choose to think that, you know, you could defy gravity. But the bottom line is at some point, you're going to reach terminal velocity, about 120 miles an hour. You're going to reach terminal velocity. And if you don't have a parachute, you're going to splat. Period. But if you have a parachute and you open it up, guess what? The law of gravity is now working for you. Because what happens with a parachute is you get this lift and resistance, air resistance starts to work in your favor. Now, if gravity did not exist, what would happen is when that parachute opens up, who knows, you might float for the next month or so somewhere and you don't know exactly where you're going to land. But because gravity is also at work, it's actually still pulling you down just at a slower rate of speed. And with new parachutes, you get to kind of control that a little bit, and you end up landing where you want to be. It can work for you, or it can work against you. And so last week, Paul was ta- we were talking about this last week, Paul was talking about it, and the words that Paul was using last week were more of a warning. Like we can think sometimes that we're just planting a little tiny seed, and it's, just, it's an insignificant seed, it's not a big deal. Like I know it's not a good seed, but it's not a big deal, it's just a little seed. And Paul says, hey, don't, don't mock God. You will always, he brings it, you will always reap what you sow. And even if it's a tiny little seed, you're going to reap that harvest. I mean, you're going you're gonna to harvest that seed, that what you planted. Today, I believe that God really wants to encourage us. In fact, I just know that you're here by design this morning. 
Paul's going to speak to us, and this is, last week was more about a warning. Today, it's more about hope, and I think some of you really need to hear this, because I really believe that some of us in this room are weary. I know I have been. On my way here this morning, I was uh, uh, in my truck, and there's just been some circumstances, you know, just the normal stuff, for example, just at times just thinking about Life Church and the future of Life Church and the direction that we're going in and the things that we need to do and all that can be can be a, a heavy load. But I've got a great team and things are great ordinarily on that. But there's oftentimes a lot of preoccupation that comes with that. But then aside from that, there might be other things that are happening. You know, uh, uh, emails I might get, uh, uh, you know, messages I might get. People want to meet with me and tell me some some not so good news. And then maybe part of it for me is that I've been uh, also uh, redoing my deck in my backyard this week, and so my back hurts a little bit. So if you see me up here doing like all these kind of weird stretching, it's because I'm trying to figure out how to make that, that little muscle in my back feel better. <laughs> and these things are happening. So I'm on my way this morning in my truck, and I'm thinking about, I'm just weary And a song came on, which if you know me now, you know my, auto, my, my default on my phone, when it connects to my truck, it starts playing Keith Green automatically all the time, you know? And so Keith Green comes on and song, Rushing Wind, Blow Through This Temple. And I just began to worship the Lord in my, on my truck on my way here this morning, early this morning, and, and I whispered a prayer to God. I said, God, is, I, I, like all these things are there, <laughs> They're all there. They're just coming down, you know, and I'm feeling the pressure from a lot of different directions. But I just whispered something to the Lord this morning. He says, Lord, it's just you and me today. Just you and me today. I think there's some of you in this room, you need to have that focused moment because you feel weary, you feel weighted down, you're bogged down with the cares of life, with your relational dysfunction, whatever it might be. There's all kinds of things going on and you need to have that moment with Jesus. We say, Jesus, just you and me today. I need you to speak to me. I need you to, to, to encourage me. I need you to build up my faith. It's just you and me today. Paul does that. Verse nine, Galatians six, he says, let's not become weary in doing good. Like you're doing the right things. You're working hard. He says, it's easy to become weary for at the proper time, again, he brings up this sowing and reaping stuff. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Paul's basically saying, let's not get tired and worn out in doing what we know God has called us to do. And some of you in this room, you know exactly what, what's going on. Right? right now, you feel worn out, and I believe God wants you to hear this. Like you've been putting the time in. You've been putting the effort in into your marriage, into your friendship, into your kids, into your, into your finances, into your spirituality, into knowing Jesus better. You've been putting the time and energy into all of that and you step back, you step back for a second, you look at it all and you say, it's not where I want it to be yet. I wish we were further along in this. I wish my marriage was better than what it is right now. Like I've been working so hard. I wish my kids, we, were, we had better relationship with our kids. I've been working so hard. And it's not where you want it to be yet. Paul says to you, keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. 
And I know those are hard words to hear sometimes because we don't, we don't, we, we want to give up. And sometimes we feel justified. Like you look at the circumstances and you look at the person you're trying so hard to build that relationship back up with and they're, and they're just totally dismissive of, dismissive of you. They don't care. You just want to quit. <laughs> Paul says don't give up. Don't quit. And here's the reason why. Because in due time, in due time, you're going to reap a harvest. I like how the New Living Translation says, in just the right time you're going to reap a harvest. Like there is a moment, there's a kairos moment in your future where all the hard work that you're putting in today is going to result in benefit for you. So don't quit now, keep going. That's what Paul's telling us. In the Old Testament, there's an example of this. It's the story of Nehemiah. I don't, I'm not going to go deep into the story of Nehemiah just because of time or anything else, but Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king. He's the king Artaxerxes, who's a king of Persia, and, and the cupbearer is actually a very significant role. He's, it's an important role in, a, in the king's palace, but here's the thing. It's still the position of a slave. So Nehemiah is a slave. 140 years earlier, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, then later it was you know, the Babylonian Empire ceased and the Persian Empire came into play. And Nehemiah, who's really never, ever seen the city of Jerusalem, is now basically reaping what his ancestors had sown. There's a point here where he hears news about Jerusalem. In verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, When I heard about these things, like the, the, how bad the condition of the city of Jerusalem was, when I heard about these things, I sat down and wept. He feels heartache over some seeds that were planted 140 years earlier. They weren't his seeds. They were seeds of others, but he's reaping the harvest as a slave now because he's a slave in Persia. Like somebody planted some bad seed and the harvest came and that bad seed has done a lot of destruction to the, to the extent that even people who were even, not even around are now reaping that. And maybe that's how some of you feel. You sit here this morning and say, my life could be a whole lot better right now, but if it wasn't for my dad and all the stuff that he did, or my grandparents, or my ex-wife, or my, 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 you know, my ex-husband, they've planted all this terrible seed and now I'm reaping, I'm reaping that harvest. That's the tendency we have is that when that happens is to try to identify why, who did it. And that's important to know that. But it's never, you're never meant to stay there. Once you, know, once you know why this all happened, there's always an opportunity to start planting some new seed. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. He quickly moves to this sense of responsibility. He has this attitude like, how can I change these situations? How can I make things better? What seeds can I sow now so that my children will not feel the way I feel today about Jerusalem? Like that's, how, that's the attitude he has, right? He knows something needs to change, and so this is what he does. In verse four, he says, for some days I mourn and fasted. So this is, he's thinking about the past, thinking how he got there, he's mourning over that. And then he prayed before the God of heaven. And let me tell you something, there is power when you find yourself in a place where you're weak and weary and you're not sure, you're just not sure what's next. 
You're not sure if you're gonna survive. You're not sure if you're gonna make it through this marriage that you're in that you feel so trapped in. You're not sure if you're gonna make it. You're not sure if your finances are ever gonna turn back around so that you can finally breathe a little bit. You're not sure if your kids are ever gonna come back and talk to you and have intimate relationship with you again. At that moment is a good moment to start praying. At that moment, it's a good moment to say, Jesus, I need you. It's just you and me today, Jesus. It's just you and me today, Jesus, I need you. So he prays and God begins to work in some really miraculous ways. Nehemiah, to make the long story short, Nehemiah ends up the person going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the, the walls and try to rebuild the city. In the earlier chapters of Nehemiah, you find that things are going good. They're rebuilding the wall brick after brick. The cumulative effect is at work. They're doing a good work and it's building, it's growing, it's doing well, but it doesn't take long. There's like a lot of optimism, but it doesn't take long before there's some opposition. And I think sometimes we grow weary because we think, okay, you know what, Pastor Rich preached, I made a decision. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm starting today. And then a few weeks later, you get some opposition, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've been doing the right thing. I've been planting the right seed. Why am I receiving opposition? Let me tell you something. When you decide to make the right choices in life, that's oftentimes when the opposition comes. And again, you start one of the main contributors for, for weariness oftentimes in life is that there is opposition. Some of you understand that. I've had many conversations with some of you in this room. You said, man, I'm just tired. I'm tired because of things happening at work. I'm tired because I've been working so hard at home and it's just not going the way I expected, right? Like you, don't, you just didn't expect. You didn't expect this to happen when you're making the right decisions. And so you start feeling worn out. So for Nehemiah, this happens to him and it comes in the form of discouraging people. Two people specifically, Sambalat and Tobiah says this about them. They're like, they're building the wall back up and uh, Sambalot says this, what are those feeble Jews doing? You can almost hear, feel the sarcasm of this comment. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Like it's a question mark. Will they actually be able to restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Like, okay, let's fast forward a little bit. The wall's built up. Will there ever be sacrifices like there used to be in the temple? Probably not. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the, those stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Like he's being incredibly sarcastic here. He's essentially saying, I don't believe in you, Nehemiah. I don't believe in the project that you're in. And Tobiah ring, rings in. He says, what are they building? Even if a fox climbed on it, like a tiny little fox climbed on the wall, even if a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Essentially saying, look, okay, they're working hard, but man, it's just a really bad job. It's not a very good job. So not only are they criticizing them for the effort that they're making, but they're also criticizing the quality of their work. And I know that some of you may have people like that in your life. People you thought should come alongside you and encourage you and build you up, and instead, you know, they're not. Like maybe you, you realize in your marriage that you've been planting some not so good seed. You feel conviction from the Holy Spirit that you need to start doing the right thing. And so you approach your spouse and you say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm making some changes. I'm gonna start doing this. I'm gonna start doing that. 
and doesn't, you're not even done with the conversation when the eyes roll back. Oh, yeah, right. Seen that before. How is this going to be any different than last time? Yeah, 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 you say that, I know, but you know what? I just don't believe that you're going to do that. And so there's a lot of doubt, a lot of criticism, a lot of discouragement there, and pretty soon you feel like quitting. Listen, just so you know, as followers of Christ, we need each other. People need you. And there's going to be people in your life that are deciding to plant some, start, to start planting some good seed. You know them. You know their story. You know where they come from. You know all the bad decisions they've made in life. But they approach you and they say, hey, you know what? I want to make some changes. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this. Listen, our response to that isn't sit back and like, okay, prove it. Let's see if you can. I don't, I don't believe you, so I'm just going to stand here with my arms crossed as if, we'll see, can you ever do that? That's not our response as followers of Christ. Our response needs to be, okay, let's walk together. Let's see this happen. Let's, I'm believing in you. I'm believing that God can do something new and fresh in your life. In fact, that's what the Hebrew writer is encouraging. He says in Hebrews 10.24, he says, let us consider. I love this because there's a lot of intentionality here. Let us consider. It's not like, hey, in your passing, just think about it. No, he says, stop and think about this. Stop and think how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Stop and think, okay, there's this person in my life. What can I do to encourage them, to prod them along in the faith, to help them plant good seed and then stay, stick to it and stay planting good seed? That's a challenge for us. And so Nehemiah has this opposition, in progress, but the progress continues. Verse 6 of chapter 4 says, So we re- rebuilt the wall till all of it, all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. I love that verse because I love how he qualifies. It reaches half its height, but then he says, they worked with all their heart. Like they got on this project and they just knew that this is what, what needed to be done. They worked with all their heart. And now they've, they sit back and they look and they realize it's half its height. And that's a good thing that we need to celebrate. But oftentimes it's also, it's also a breaking point for a lot of us when we get halfway through a project. Let me tell you something, I felt that way yesterday when I pulled that deck, we've removed the deck and I had some help from Sean get rid of all the trash and started putting Joyce in and I realized I'm not, I'm not even halfway there yet. <laughs> and it could feel discouraging because my back hurts already and I'm not even halfway there yet, right? And this happens to us. It's just halfway. It's a, it's a hard place to be because you realize how much is left to do. And that's probably why some of you have half-done projects at home. Don't raise your hand. But those of you that are smiling, I know who, I know who it is, right? Because you start, you're enthusiastic. You, I'm going to remodel that bathroom. Yes, I'm not going to pay those contractor fees. Nope. I'm going to remodel that bathroom. Three years later, your wife says, hey, are you ever going to finish remodeling that bathroom? It's like it's not done yet. <laughs> Halfway point can be a, a place where it's very easy to grow weary. That's exactly what happens. Verse 10 of chapter 4 of Nehemiah says, the people in Judah said, okay, so they built the wall halfway, and then the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. My back hurts. <laughs> 
and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So I think sometimes what discourages us, what makes us grow weary is, is disappointing progress. Like, okay, we've gotten so far, but it's just not, it's not all the way. There's still so much left to do, right? And I know we can feel that way. I know that's what happens. You think that you should be further along. You think you've worked so hard. You should be so much further along, and yet you're not there, and you get discouraged, and you're weary, and you may even want to quit, Say things like, I tried. I made an effort. I have these, these, these like discerning moments that happen with me from time to time where I get a, a, an email or a, a, a text message or a phone call. And I get it from a particular person I've been in contact with over time. And I realize, I just before I even read the email, before I even read the text, I just know what I'm about to hear. What I'm about to hear is, I quit. I quit. I, I, I've tried, Rich. I really tried. I tried so hard, but it's just not going the way it should go. So I quit. It's disappointing progress. It's not working. And maybe that's the way you feel. Like my kids are too old. I don't know if I'll ever be able to restore a relationship with them. My marriage is just too broken. I'm not sure if it'll ever get fixed. My friend, he's just too bitter. And there's no way of restoring that relationship. My debt is too big. My addiction is too strong. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be. This is, this is where I'm supposed to be in life. I'm sure this, is, this was the conversation of those workers. They're like, I mean, it was 140 years. It's been like this for 140 years. What were we expecting? Were we expected to get better overnight? And so they're very dis disappointed. The progress is not going fast enough. They grow weary, and the mindset begins to set in. And maybe that's how some of you feel about your health, your marriage, your finances. Maybe you've heard of the Chinese bamboo tree. I have an image of a Chinese bamboo trees. Or I guess they're plants, uh, right? Am I, is, any botanists out there that know this, this as a truth? Bamboo, I think, is a plant, not a tree, but this is, these, are, these are bamboo very large ones. <clears throat> and so the Chinese bamboo tree is, a, is an interesting thing because you plant the seed and um, a, a year passes, nothing. Two years pass, nothing. Three years pass, nothing. Four years pass, nothing. I mean, just dirt. And after five years, it begins to grow. And so when I thought, when I heard about that, I was like, man, I can't even imagine what it was like for that first ever Chinese bamboo tree farmer. Can you imagine? Like, like some salesman showed up at his door, knocking and said, hey man, I noticed there are no Chinese bamboo trees here in your neck of the woods. You can corner the market. I got the seed for you. And he's like, oh, that's, I don't know. He said, yeah, this is great. You, man, you, you're gonna make some money. Now, warn you, it's going to take a little time. You're going to make some money. So he enthusiastically buys a seed, you know, and he goes out into the field and he plants a row of Chinese bamboo, you know, bamboo seed out there. And six months pass and his wife comes along, hey, how's it going out there? All I see is dirt, <laughs> right? A year passes, his wife is like, hey, are you sure you planted those seeds? I mean, did you forget, kind of like you forget our anniversary or anyone so on? Did you forget to plant the seed? Because 
I'm not sure. Four years passed, and she's like, she's had it. She's like, okay. He walks in from, you know, having watered the field and stuff, and he's all dirty and tired. He walks into the house, and wife is like, how's it going out there with that invisible bamboo farm of ours? Maybe I'll do some invisible laundry and cook you the best invisible meal you've ever had in your life. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's taking so long. But he can't quit now. I mean, he can't give up right now. After all, he's put so much time and so much energy and so much effort into, you know, maintaining this. And so year five rolls around and bam, it starts growing. And here's the beauty of this Chinese bamboo tree. It doesn't grow for five years, but in, after the five-year mark happens, in six weeks, it grows over 90 feet tall. And so that farmer looks at those 90-foot trees, and he looks at his wife and says, I told you. I don't, I, I don't know. That's, that's probably what I would say to my wife, I think. But, yeah. So <clears throat> I think some of you are like in that five-year season. Like it's just taking so, so, so long. So Paul comes on and says, listen, don't grow weary. Don't quit on that. Don't quit. Don't grow weary. Instead, pray. I love what Nehemiah, Nehemiah is tired and he's growing weary. He's struggling with less than several results and this is what he does. He prays. 12 times in the book of Nehemiah, this is what you find. 12 times Nehemiah is discouraged and 12 times out of his discouragement, he prays. And here's what I wanna, the point I wanna make about that. I think oftentimes what we see as our preferred future, what we see as what God wants to do in our life, oftentimes we think that's gonna be the work of our hands. Like I'm planting the seed and I'm doing the hard work and I'm cultivating and I'm doing it. And then at the end of that, look what I did. And we fail to count in God's work in it. You and I are called to plant seeds. But it's really the work, the real work is happening behind the scenes as we say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm trusting you with my future. I'm trusting you with my marriage. I'm trusting you with my kids. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with my spiritual walk. I'm trusting you, God. And then God comes through. <clears throat> it's prayer that prepares the ground. It's prayer that cultivates every seed. And so Nehemiah, he prays. And this is what he concludes. Verse 20 of chapter four, he says, God will fight for us. Like he's discouraged. He knows the progress seems very slow, but he knows that there's a God factor in it. God will fight for us. I love that. He says, just keep doing the right thing. Keep putting one more brick on the wall at a time. Plant a seed, one seed at a time. Just keep doing the right thing because after all, God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you. So when your child, you call, and she doesn't want to call you back, and she doesn't call you back, and inside you're thinking, why, didn't she, you know, why are we so estranged? Why are we so distant? Keep planting the seed. Keep loving them. Keep loving them. When you stumble and you take a drink, or you log into that website, or you, 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 you bust out angry, and you fall, get right back up, head to the field, Keep planting the right seed. 
When some unexpected thing sets you back from your debt-free plan and you're like, man, I don't know, this, I'm tired of working so hard at being debt-free and then this has to happen. You run back up, keep working, keep planting the right seed. When your spouse responds to your efforts with criticism and sarcasm, keep planting the seed. The story of Nehemiah is really a story of sowing, sowing and reaping because 140 years there was disrepair, there was destruction. But then Nehemiah begins the process, and here's what I wonder about. You know, I think, okay, so maybe the first four, week, four days or so, you know, things are kind of not going so good. You know, they're building the wall back up. But it's a limited progress, you know. A couple weeks pass, okay, things are getting a little bit better. Okay, 26 days pass, and it's like, okay, it's halfway built. I love what it says in verse 15 of chapter 6 of Nehemiah. It says, so the wall was completed, and actually, if you look at the text, they put a lunar calendar date to this text, actually October 2nd of the year 445 BC. This wall was completed, and and they make this little parenthetical statement in 52 days. Why, Why add this? What's the deal of the 52 days? Why talk about 52 days? I mean, it was 140 years, what is 52 days? Well, 52 days is a miracle, actually, if you think about it. And there's perspective there. And so I'm going to ask us all to stand as we kind of close, this, close our service today. But here's what I want to say. <clears throat> and Sometimes we quit halfway. Sometimes we get to day 26 and we say, man, this is not going fast enough. It's not good enough. I'm out of here. I love what happened for them. It happened in 52 days. 140 years of disrepair, and the wall was built in 52 days. And so the question I want to ask you is, what seeds are you planting? Maybe what we need to be asking ourselves, too, is what seeds should we stop planting? And I think today is the day. And I know you hear me say, today is the day, and you're like, okay, so I'll start tomorrow. No, no, no. Today is the day. Today is the day to make that decision, to start planting the right seed, to stop planting the seeds that's causing destruction in your life. Today is the day. Now, we have prayer teams here. They're faithfully here every single Sunday to serve you. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to seek them out for prayer, to seek out a friend for prayer. Because here's what I know about what happens. And, and you might think, well, what do you know, Rich? I'm here. You, you know, you have your life. You, you, all you do all week long is study for a sermon. So you don't really know anything, you know. You might feel that way. Okay. But I sat there. And I remember sitting there, and I remember sitting there and hearing a pastor preach about some things and knowing that is for me. I know he's speaking to me, but I don't have time right now. I, I don't even know these prayer team members. I'm not sure if I'm going to go for prayer. They might have bad breath or something. They don't. They don't, by the way. But. <clears throat> and so today's the day to do something, but before we even leave the building, we've already talked ourselves out of doing something today. 
And so when I say today, I mean today. And this, here's how we're going to respond. You have these communication cards in front of you. And I want you to start believing God for what you see as your preferred future. If it's your marriage. If it's your marriage. God, this is what I want to see in my marriage. If it's your kids, this is what I want to see in my kids. If it's your finance, whatever it might be. If it's your spiritual walk with Jesus, if you find yourself, you're more lukewarm than anything else and you want to be on fire for God, put that on here. And then tell us the seeds that you're going to start planting to get there. Tell us the seeds you're going to stop planting that are keeping you from getting there. Just fill it out. Put it here. You can take it, put it in the back, black box in the back. Here's what I'm praying, because I'm going to take those cards, and we're going to, as a team, we're going to take those cards, and we're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to start believing God for miracles in this house. And what I'm hoping for, what I've been praying about, actually, this week and even this morning, what I've been praying about is that around the end of October, about 52 days from now, some of you are going to start walking up to me and say, hey, Pastor Rich, remember that sermon? I'm going to be probably like, nah, I don't really remember because I'm on to a different one. <laughs> but remember that sermon? I wrote this down. Guess what God is doing? Amen? Are you ready for those miracles? I'm tired for, of life as usual, Christianity as usual. I'm ready to see God do miracles in our lives. I'm tired of some of you walking in Sunday after Sunday after Sunday with the same burden, the same weariness, the same heartache, the same relational issues, the same financial issues, and then walking out Sunday saying, I feel a little bit better, but I'm back to the same grind again. I'm ready to see God do miracles in your life. Amen? I hope you are too. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Father, I thank you for those that are here at the Corville campus. I thank you, Father, for our friends in Cedar Rapids right now. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just invade, invade that hotel right now by your power and your presence. I pray, Father, for our Wilton campus, that you do the same there. Lord, we're just praying that you will just move in our hearts. Lord, help us today to start making the decision to plant the right seed. And start trusting you and believing you and cultivating that seed with prayer and faith and trusting you along the way. God, we want to see miracles in this house. We want to see you do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name.